0: Hello there, this is Simon Godfrey, the producer of the Tabletop Genesis podcast. Earlier on this year, our good friend and co-host Ellie decided that she was going to step back from the show and so this will be her last episode. We wish her well and we will miss her very much. This is Proxilla Radio, the UK's first dedicated progressive rock music radio network.
1: You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there, this is Mike Lord.
2: Hello, this is Ellie here.
0: Oh, this is Simon
1: here.
2: Uh-huh. Hey, it's
3: Stacy. And this is... Uh, I'll go with Tom. <laughs> that
0: works.
1: And we are here waking up slowly for a new episode of Tabletop Genesis. How are y'all doing today? Good. Glad to hear that.
0: <laughs>
1: we are talking about Genesis Live or Genesis live or live by Genesis.
4: Well, Genesis lives. Fir-
1: the- Genesis lives, exactly. Um, and so... Simon, I will throw over to you now to read the Wikipedia entry.
0: Better throw over than throw up, I say. Well, Wikipedia has this to say about Genesis Live. Genesis Live is the first live album, who'd have thought it, (laughs) from the English rock band Genesis, released in 1973 in July on Charisma Records. Initially recorded for radio broadcast on the American rock programme The King Biscuit Flower Hour, the album is formed from the recordings of shows at the Free Trade Hall in Manchester and the Leicester de Montfort Hall uh, in February of 1973. Is that Leicester? L- or Leicester, yes, if you're not from England, <laughs> uh, which to much to the chagrin of, uh, of anybody from Leicester. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, the Leicester de Montfort Hall in February 1973 during the band's tour supporting their fourth studio album, Foxtrot. Genesis Live, sorry, Genesis Live <laughs> is the band's first album to enter the top 10 in the UK. I did not know that, Woo-hoo. reaching number 9 following its US release in 1974, which peaked at number 105.
1: <laughs> Quite a difference there, showing where Genesis was at commercially in the US at that point. So. Sneaking
0: up Yes,
1: so they're kind of a stealth band at this point. But number nine is really good. I would imagine, oh, you yeah, know, that's yeah. pretty solid, you know, in in England. So, so bravo to the boys for that for their first top ten album in the in the UK. So this album was from the Foxtrot tour, as I believe Simon just uh, mentioned, and there were other songs that were kind of could have been included. Supper's Ready was performed on this, a few other ones, and but it was not because. Do you think the Genesis would have needed a double live album, really two to three albums into their career at this point?
0: It would have been a very precocious move to release a double album yes. as a first live album. I guess. Yes.
2: At least Supper's Ready is in the album cover, right? Uh, yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> so yes, is. It is represented. Yeah. So,
1: I know that Tony has said in interviews that basically their thinking was Supper's Ready was half of the last album, so they didn't want it to be half of this album also. And if they had kept it as a single and if as a double, I don't know if they would have had enough tapes or enough options to fill up that fourth side. Maybe you could have done a blank side, but that would have been a, then people would complain about that. So
0: I'm curious as to why they've never re-released it as a double album. When you consider yeah. the legacy that they've created.
1: It's interesting. I know that when the live box came out and which included the Rainbow Show from seventy three from the Selling England tour that did have Supper's Ready on it and, you know, also Watcher of the Skies and Musical Box. I think Tony said at the time that we're putting a Supper's Ready on from 73. Do you need another one from 1972?
0: Well, the answer to that is yes. Yes,
1: exactly. I I think for the hardcore fans like us, you know, the answer would be yes. And I think that sometimes the mentality might be to think about it more of like, what are the casual buyers look for. But I don't know how many casual buyers there are of a live Genesis box set. You right. know? So if you're that. buying that, you're probably pretty hardcore.
0: And these days in the current climate it it also costs a huge amount of money to produce a, a new double live album when not many people are buying right actual physical products any longer. Right. So
1: so there's that aspect to it. And I think that, you know, fans always want everything. And which is great, but because that's our job.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, it,
1: but and anything less than everything is going to be something to complain about. <laughs> Welcome to Tabletop Genesis. <laughs> when this album, anyway, I think you'd mention that it
3: it wasn't really a, a. It was kind of like a stop measure between yeah. Foxtrot and their next album because there was so much time in between albums. Yeah,
1: yes, <laughs> yes, almost a full year, I believe. Oh, no. So, oh, you know.
0: the seventies. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. When bands would put out. At, uh, two albums a year sometimes, depending upon their work rate. But yeah, this, this mm-hmm. was put out because they wanted to make sure people didn't forget about the band in this time period. I don't know if Selling England was just taking longer than they thought it was going to, or if they had built in more writing time or whatever the, the time frame was, but this was looked at as a budget release and something to kind of tide the fans over until the next real album um and so and it did i think it did that job well it went to number nine in the charts which is pretty solid so and 105 in the u.s which for a band that probably had no real following in the u.s at that point i think they had done they'd done a couple shows over here for the foxtrot uh tour Uh, i think they had kind of a showcase in new york that was uh kind of one of their first uh uh, visits over to our side of the Atlantic.
0: Was that the one where they, they took uh, where the the shots of uh, Peter Gabriel in his full costume in front of the Statue of Liberty? Was that one of the? Was that possibly? That
1: I'm not sure. It's it, it's very likely. I think the Genesis Rock picture of them in Central Park with the Essence house behind them. I believe was on that visit here. There's another picture, I think, of the five of them kind of walking down the street or by the Bitter End and stuff like that. That's uh, I yeah, think yeah. all from that.
2: Like he's wearing a vestimio.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. So it it's it was probably a great time to be in this band because you were doing this cool music and you felt that you had momentum behind you. You and, were young. You yeah, were thin. Exactly. So. <laughs> you had hair. Oh wait. Right. <laughs> yeah. I think it, it's it's this album is a great snapshot to have that I think some other bands, even of Genesis's stature at the time, I don't think there are some live albums of other bands of that era. Uh, yes has Yes songs, but Yes was a much bigger band at this point. So, but I don't think there was, for example, a Van de Graaff Generator live album at this point. If I'm incorrect on that, I'm sure somebody will correct me, but I don't believe so.
0: so yeah. it's, an, it's an intriguing album cover as well, when it you is. look at it.
1: I, I thought for years that this was his getup from Watcher of the Skies. Uh-huh. But, you know, before before I really saw a lot more visual representation of the band back then, then I'm like, oh, this is Supper's Ready. So
3: that's cool. It's probably a good introduction to the band for a lot of people because the, just casual record buyer, I mean, it really sticks out at you. You don't know what's going on. There's this cool band in... Ultraviolet light, and there's this one figure in the middle with a red box on his head. <laughs> I mean, you would have to pick it up just to pick it up and see what's going on. And you go mm. on the back, and there's only five songs. You're like, all right. And there's more pictures of the bat wings and everything. <laughs> like, I mean, for a single album, it was probably, I don't know what, back in the 70s, three bucks, five bucks. Yeah. There's so, this weird story yeah.
1: on the back that you're like, what is this? Yeah. So yeah, I think this is a cool little introduction. Uh, I have to tell just one story from back in the Genesis official forum days. Uh, Nick Davis had mentioned who was doing all the remixes for this album and, and Genesis' catalog at the time into 5.1 and new stereo mixes that he had mentioned that they could not find the tapes to this album. I think kind of seeing if any of the fans knew where they might be. And They look under no, all
0: the sofa covers. Right, and, you know. Sometimes it's
1: amazing what falls into people's hands in the history of a, of a band. As well, a parent,
3: weeks. I have to say, just to ask, where did
1: you have it last? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. And um,
2: You have these record fairs in the UK that you can find almost anything there. You, can, right. you, don't, you don't know what you're buying. I mean, yeah. where that thing that you buy came from, let's say, right. a cassette or whatever.
1: Here's some old reel-to-reel tapes. Who knows what's on those, so... But the and then a couple of weeks later, I think he he popped up again and said, oh, we did find the the tapes. And I wrote to him saying, oh, was it any type of is there a story behind this? And it was basically no story. It was just under something else or misfiled. And (laughs) and they luckily found it so that we have the the remix that put out came out on the live box along with some of some of the. Tracks from the Lamb tour in 75, which we won't be talking about in this episode. We'll cover that in the future at some point. We'll just be talking about the classic five-song lineup for Genesis Live.
0: Can I tell you, uh, I just want to tell you a personal anecdote about, um, I saw a a Genesis uh, tribute band who will remain nameless um, who did this uh, album. You can tell us off air. And uh, yes, (laughs) uh, and it was in a tiny pub. Okay. In, uh, in London and I remember that they opened up with uh, Watcher of the Skies and mm-hmm. it sounded tremendous and then the guy playing Peter Gabriel wanders on stage with the bat wings strides to the front of the stage and one of the wings falls off <laughs> 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 so now he's just got one <laughs> wing
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he started flapping around in circles <laughs> on the stage yeah so yeah. Was the, band in, you
0: know, the
2: band played in, uh, in Kingston
0: Oh, I'm not telling you on air. Because I went to a show. And oh, anyway, yes. Yeah. In Did the he know it had fallen off? I have no idea, but I, <laughs> it was entertaining the hell out of us. Wow. <laughs> Stacy had asked off
1: air um, kind of what else the band was playing in this era. And it was all, it was basically the live songs were the majority from Nursery Crime and uh, Foxtrot. They might have played Stagnation here and there during this time. And The Knife, obviously. But it's, you know, Harold the Barrel got thrown in there every once in a while. Um, fountain. fountain of Salmalsis. Salmalsis. Can Utility and the Coastliners here and there, you know. But so, but this really is kind of a represent, this, these five tracks are kind of a, a good chunk of the set list from this era. Yeah. So, very cool. So, with that, we will dive into the first track on the album and the first track in a live show Watcher of the Skies.
5: This um as an opener. Um it it can't really fit anywhere else in the set list, I think. (laughs) I think it has to open a show. Um and but what I love about this particular recording is that second of crowd noise before Tony's keys kick in. Right. It's just brilliant. Right. Um and I love like when I was listening to this recently, I was laughing to myself because I was thinking, okay, if I was actually at the show. Um, seeing them perform this live, maybe not even he- hearing them before, um, th- this long chord sequence goes, I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Is this and the warm-up just, band? And wait, so I'd be like, what the fuck? Fuck, and then Gabriel comes out and bat wings. I'm like, what the fuck?
1: <laughs> <laughs> like they
5: um, they do not hold back. They're like, here we are, yeah. and we're weird.
4: Right, exactly. <laughs>
5: um, but it, yeah, it, it's great. I, I I think it's it just feels live. It feels you know mm. really good. Um, yeah, and they, you know, I think if they, it's one of those things where. Um, you know, if you even just stay for the one song, you kind of got the essence of what their whole show's <laughs> yeah, about.
1: Right. If you like this, you're going to like the you're rest gonna of like it. The rest if of you it. don't, you probably yeah. might, be, might just be better to head on out. Exactly. So. I totally
2: agree with Stacey, it's an amazing opener. Again, what, which other song can you have as an opener that rather than Watching of the Skies? And again, the energy of the crowd that you can hear. Yes, I totally agree with that. Yeah. It's just, uh, well, I, I, I was, wish I was there.
4: <laughs> I
3: recently brought uh, my nine year old to see a musical box show. And I I was purposely not playing a lot for her beforehand or showing her videos. I, and just to see her reaction when they came out (laughs) and started with watch for the skies and you don't really see Peter, Peter in quotes at the start, but then he's got like the eyes, which kind of get brighter. And then all of a sudden the, the, the up, and then the drums come in just to watch her kind of like, be like, this is really out there and cool and all that. Like it, it, is great to have this on the album because, yeah, this is what every fan at the time was, like, experiencing in concert. Like, this is them, their first introduction to Genesis, what they look like live, and it just kind of blows you away. And after that, it's just like, all right, what do, what do you got next? Yeah. I
2: would pay to see the audience faces, you know, <laughs> during the first few minutes. It's like, oh, mouth open, or like,
0: oh, or, uh, this This is something which I think uh, has to be said in context. You know, we live in a world where, where you know, where, you know the Cradle of Filth, the Lady Gargas, that where you know yeah. where the, the Marilyn Manson's, where it, it's almost commonplace to be weird. Yeah. Whereas you know you go back to the seventies, especially in the UK, mm-hmm. really only Bowie and Roxy Music were doing this kind of sort of stuff on stage mm-hmm. that I certainly am aware of. Sure. Um. So it just goes to show they were really out there to right. put it in context. Yeah.
3: I mean, I, I even have to think twice about that. You know, years ago when Lady Gaga was really in her like out there phase with her costumes, like I'd be like, oh that's weird. I'm like, oh wait, I love a band where the guy put a flower on his head. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I, I don't can have anything to say, really. It's all part of the
1: same family yeah. of weirdness. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. I just think like like sometimes I, I question the length of this Bellatron opening. And then other times I'm just like, yeah, this is the right thing to be here. And and sometimes I think in a live setting it would just be Kind of you've sat down in your seat, you're talking to your friends ahead of time, and then the lights go down and just this wave of cord comes at you. And you either get on board or you don't. And it's just just
3: hearing it, it's just a great song to to get an idea of how tight they were at the time. Because I yeah. mean there's a lot of staccato in like, especially at the end and, mm-hmm. and they're just on track with each other. It's just such a great snapshot of how where they were in time just gelling together as a band live
1: yeah they could be a little stiff in the studio and but hearing this these tracks kind of at the end towards the end-ish of a tour you know it's it was they definitely had this music under their fingertips so they were good
0: so the other thing that that's uh to to go back to what you were saying about the long mellotron Mm -hmm. intro is that um it reminded me a little bit when i was listening through this to the way that you used to go to a cinema in the uk and there would be music on a sort of an interlude before the actual show started and so there's an element there's a very cinematic element to 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 this um which of course you you don't fully pick up on on a live recording because you're not seeing the visuals as well but as you guys have said you go see the musical box live all of a sudden, all of that, the visual element and the music sort of slots in together and you go, oh, ah, yeah, Mellotron, is... <laughs> Batwings. Wings. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's
5: more of a performance. Like, I, this is not a rock concert and you can hear it in, in the audience. It sounds like like, if you ever heard, like, a live classical recording, yeah. the way people are clapping at the end or in between, it's the same sound on this album, yes. you know, that kind of reserved, right. like, yes, mm-hmm, yes, I'm I'm enjoying I'm this. I'm
2: taking note of this, I'm
5: right. note of this and <laughs> I'm stroking my beard, and, you know. Um,
1: That's what they say. You don't oh,
3: clap or is. applaud until you're sure it's over. Yeah, right. sure it's over. Then you can, then you know, can, it can release and it. And then it dies seven down, seven. down, yeah,
1: and there's quiet until the next song begins. That's, I wasn't sure yeah. if they recorded the audience a certain way with this or if you know, I, I sometimes I find it hard to believe that the English crowds would be this polite between
0: the songs Oh no, there are some fans right now still waiting to clap from <laughs> the <Yeah>. 70s <laughs>
1: <laughs> Exactly So, yeah, I, I thought that one thing I never realized about this until I saw one of the videos probably on the live box from either probably 73 was that Mike is doing the, the vocals along with Peter in this in this song so yeah, I, Simon is looking at me stunned, mm-hmm. and it's something that you know it's that doubling of vocals isn't Peter and Phil, which it often is. It's Peter and Mike, and if you've heard Mike's voice,
0: he he often acts very strange. He has then. one. Yes. I was gonna say that. Yeah. Oh, oh, my no. up. <laughs>
1: but I actually think they sound really good with this. I think they their voices kind of do a. A good meshing into a weird, you know, and this is harmony a, a, with each
0: this other. This is um, a Rutherford lyric as well. Isn't yes,
1: it? it is. Maybe it was a bit of Tony in there too, but mainly Mike stuff. So, yeah, I think it's maybe that's why he sings along with it. So maybe they didn't turn on his microphone. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I think that that's something that I was like, oh, Mike's singing along with this. So, um, and I think the drama at the end of this track is even better live than it is on the album. Because again, I just imagine this working with the big chords dun dun boom. You know, there's there's How's it go? Dun dun <laughs> Dun Dun Butter <laughs> And it's funny
2: because nowadays if you go see a tribute band and if they're playing this this era, they start with "Watch of the Skies. Yeah. So they were right in choosing that back then. Yeah. So it sticks, you know. It, they were totally right.
0: To, to broaden this conversation just a little wider, but on, on what you were saying, there really have, for my mind, only been two op- uh, great Genesis openers, one of which is this and the other one's behind the lines. Sure.
4: What? Yeah. <laughs> <I didn't agree. laughs> okay. Stacey just
0: looks dumbfounded yeah every other song that they've done readers has been crap oh. no wow. Wow. <laughs> no
5: 11th Earl all more that's the best I'm,
0: I'm sorry i don't agree <laughs> i'm sitting in here i'm sitting in the don't agree clown car over here yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about an opening for a
1: live concert yeah. is what yeah. you're saying i
0: mean so. I'm, I'm again this is yeah. you know no. ladies and gentlemen this is only personal opinion but it for me the those two tracks really were the ones which really Knocked it out of the park no. for me. I I I would rank I
1: would rank those two. I I would probably put behind the lines ahead of this as an opener, and this would be in the top five. And but I don't know what the other three would. be Would you be like right
0: to now. join me in the clown car? Yes, I think so. So, but
1: but I would I 11th Earl Marl would be in there. I think actually Squonk, you know, opening up the Wind and Wuthering tour would, is is a great opener. Um, I actually think Land of Confusion on the We Can't Dance Tour was a great opener. A well, you song. go ahead and yeah. think that. All right. Oh, I, I-, I was going to say that as a joke, though. Um, <laughs> oh, I think as, as an opener for a concert, getting a song that people know, it's kind of up... You know, but that's a whole other conversation. Then, when we talk about our favorite openers on tabletop Genesis, <laughs> we will
2: revisit up songs. Yes. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. We will revisit this. So now we will move into. Get a out by Friday.
3: Because uh, Peter, you know, introduces his track "Get Him Out by Friday." Although the I love the prior to that, his just very s- staid "Good evening." And then, <laughs> you can tell that elicits a little bit of a laugh yeah, from the why, crowd. Yeah, why?
5: Why are people laughing? I, that always confuses me. I think
3: because he's they've just been shocked by this guy coming out in back wings oh, and this yeah. huge ending. And all of a sudden, they realize that he is a human being because he's just—he's not like, "Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome tonight." It's just like, "Good evening,"
0: and so <laughs> I think it was just that very really. like understated, like
3: mm-hmm. it was almost like a release, like a giggle, like, "Okay, yeah. kind of, this is the
1: tone." Yeah. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> it's. They always talked about Peter being more the mysterious traveler and Phil being right. more of, "Hey, how's it going?" So it's cheeky, chappy. Yeah, yeah. Che- there you go, cheeky chappy, and I think that's this is peter in mysterious traveler mode good evening
3: well it's funny because he introduces this track and other than watcher every track on this live album is introduced by title
4: sure
3: which uh i know they they don't always do maybe back in the day but maybe because everything had kind of a story and he Mm. was telling a story before each song almost it necessitated an intro because that was how he ended his stories whereas with phil it would, they could just go from song to song and some he introduced some he didn't mm-hmm. uh, for Get Him Out by Friday in particular I think as I have mentioned on the Foxtrot podcast I love Mike's bass yes and hearing that on this live album is even, even better other than that I'm, I think I've always been like kind of a so-so fan of Get Him Out by Friday so I'll listen to this in the context of the live album but it, for me there's, it doesn't do much more for me live than it does on album
5: I have the same thought. Yeah. It, you know, and I think on the Foxtrot uh, episode we did, I, I talked about how I felt like this was kind of a weaker. I, I fast forward through this or I skip mm-hmm. it. Um, and it, you know, I really wanted this in a, in the live version to just bring it to life for me and click, but it, it doesn't. Um, you know, and Gabriel's voice affectations just irritate the <laughs> fuck out of me in this. I just can't. Yeah, I'm sorry, but...
1: Um, and I wrote down, down that I like his affectations no, on really? this. I do, yeah. yeah. I, I I like the characters and kind of his warning. <laughs> See, know, I, I...
5: And we and I think we talked about this, too, how this song is kind of like it's uh, the precursor or a sister song to uh, Battle of Epping Forest. And I right. feel like, you know, by the time they got there, that to me was... A better representation of that vein uh that they were in yeah. with this track um
1: i agree that that's a better kind of example yeah. of this type of song but i
0: well that social commentary type thing yeah, yeah. And, and i but i found and myself the characters in, and yeah the
5: way he was you know you know was multiple people yeah. well they've the
0: been developing it from yeah. how the barrel through yeah. this song i think it found it's it's yeah. it's zenith if you will in in mm-hmm. the battle of epping yeah. forest but I personally find this track the creepiest on the album. Oh, it's so yeah, creepy. Yeah, yeah, sure, for sure. <laughs> Can we all agree on that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay, good.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it in this album. I agree with Stacey and yeah. Tom. Where it's, like, it's, yeah. it's not that it's too long, but again, the, the talking part, and I don't know. It's just, it just, just pause. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, just, yeah I, I think in that kind of th- the the last quarter of it, in that slow bit, That might be a time when you're kind of like going, okay, get through this so we get to the energy at the end again. You
5: go, you you know, have a pee, grab another beer... (laughs) This yep. is, and you're back by the end. That's good. Yeah, but I, I,
1: but I like the vocal stylings of Mr. Gabriel in this one. Yeah,
5: see, I, so. I like Phil's backing vocals on this track a lot. Okay. I think he, you know, because I don't think we, he, we, well, as you said, it was only it was Mike Rutherford a watcher. Yeah. So this is where you're first hearing, you know, Collins. Yeah. Stepping in with the the backing vocals. Yeah. So that's a good part of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And
0: again, we have to remember in the that this is all this is all in context as well. Some of the slower parts, there's a visual element which yes. we're missing.
1: Right. right. Yeah. We're only getting the, the audio part of it and and a a bit sharper version than an album version, but this is not an extreme difference between album and, and yeah. uh, uh recording compared to I think some of the nursery crime tracks later on, where it is like, Oh, this is much better to get it's more together than
5: the yeah, album they're, it, to result. me they're, they're they're you know i think overall um but particularly on this track it stands out um, you know, this is not really their live sound that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. You know that this
0: pre bombast. Yeah, pre
5: pre balls dropping, <laughs> and not only about that, but they're they're just playing the album. Right. They're doing they're actually doing what Musical Box does, <laughs> and it's just kind of recreating that album feel. And I get it, especially for the Fox Trot track tracks. Like mm. that album just came out. They just right. wrote it. They're still learning it, and they're yeah. still young players. Yeah. You know, all these factors going into it.
0: I think um, they're also they're playing for some of the certainly some of the the members but I think as an ensemble they're playing at the ragged edge of their technical capability <laughs> yeah absolutely and, they and, are but, like front load yeah. the whole yeah. show but that's that's where the fun stuff is you know yeah, that's yeah. I always believe that that's where the best music sh- does lie yeah.
2: actually the, you see the album cover they're all looking very dedicated looking yeah. at their instruments very concentrated
0: they're
2: <laughs> working very hard yeah. yes
1: <laughs> don't mess up I don't want to be the one to get a look from Tony yeah.
3: <laughs> but unlike but but uh Battle of Epping Forest, this song in, in concert, at this point Peter wasn't, he was just doing the different voices. He wasn't doing different
1: character dresses. No, like this, this wasn't a big costume right. thing. This was more just the affectation of the characters. Which is still, you know, that's, that's a way he can get across the story of this, too. Which... You know, I, I, it's an interesting song because, you know, unless you've really looked at the al- the Foxtrot album and kind of looked at the lyrics, this is not a story that reveals itself just through basic listening. I think you have to go like, oh, this is this is what's happening. Oh, there's eight different characters singing in this song. You oh, have to okay. know
2: about UK culture. Right. Yeah. British culture.
1: So I, I think I didn't get the whole joke about shrinking the tenants down until until getting Foxtrot later in life when I could actually see the lyrics of this and be like, oh, this is... I kind of got what this was about, but I didn't realize it was it actually, in a weird way, kind of made sense <laughs> as a story. So it's great. It's it's fun. It's a great live thing. I think it works. Like Stacy said, I think the en- the ending could be a little tightened up. She doesn't like the vocals. I like the vocals, mm-hmm. but...
5: The one thing though I will say that's really hit home to me in the recent listen. I don't think I just never picked up on before is a really quiet bit. And I think this is a song that has the quietest quiet bit on the album. Oh, sure. You can hear like they are recording the audience and the audience is silent. Yeah. like if you go to a show now, if there's even loud parts, quiet parts, people are talking yeah. the whole time. Like, I was shocked. Again, it goes to what we were saying earlier about it's like an orchestra crowd. Yeah. And that, like, just really took me back. I was like, wow, this is, you know, live shows have really changed. Yeah. paying attention. <laughs> yeah.
3: So. No one yelling out, free bird. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> is really refreshing. Or supper's ready, yes. Or <laughs> talking to their
5: friend about what they're going to do later, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. You know?
3: so everyone at this time had their cell phones off
1: they (laughs) were so they they were not distracted by nobody multitasked back then (laughs) at the worst somebody might have had a camera with them and tried to get a shot here and there but that's even that's pretty rare you might
3: hear a lighter trying to light up
1: yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh yeah All right. so we'll now move into Return of the Giant (laughs) Hodweed
0: The musical box.
2: <laughs> I love this song. Why silly? You Why it can't be silly.
0: It's right? silly. Yeah. doesn't mean to say it's bad. No,
5: no, no, no. And I'm sorry. And, and when I say silly, I don't mean that in a negative way. I love silly. I am silly. I, you know, things that are silly are great to <laughs> they me. Found the yeah, yes. but it's, Fine. this is like, oh, this is such a hard song about a plant <laughs> that is
2: silly. Yes.
5: It's brilliant. Well, I
3: think they know they're being silly.
2: I know, I know. Yeah. You know how many fans call themselves Hogweed in forums and stuff, yeah. and bands, stupid <laughs> bands.
1: Anyway, were, all, Genesis has cornered,
5: cornered so. the market. Hogweed. Yes. Uh, you or, can't
1: do a song about <laughs> Hogweeds without
0: referencing back to this song. Yeah, but it lives long in the sort of the genetic memory of, oh, yeah. of a progressive rock fan. I've actually even seen Transatlantic do a cover yes, of this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a rocking song. And until I got really into listening to some of these old bootlegs, that this tended to be the song that ended the set, uh, you know, before encores and things like that. And, and hearing it in that context, I was like, oh, I get this now. Whereas I kind of, I never quite understood the love that some people had for this song. I thought it was fine. Yeah. But I was able to then put put it in context of saying like, oh yeah, this would be a great closer just with those big chords at the end and it just getting kind of higher and higher and then it just, bang, ends. Yeah. I
0: think that's I, right. And I, I, I do think that uh, um, even though I, I probably know the Nursery Crime version better than mm. this one, I do think this one has a little bit more edge Yes.
1: They know what they're doing more. There's things Steve is doing some little guitar oh, noises yeah. during He the, just finally comes verse. alive
5: in the album. Like yeah. it's like yeah, you can hear yeah. him but now this song is like yes. he is He's just like I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, yeah. I'm going to do a very that. sharp yeah, it's, it's angular it's,
1: it's, type of scrapey yeah. noises during it and I'm like it all just works together. With this, and and they're all playing great on it, and they this is a song that they have under their fingertips on this album.
0: I have to say right. that if, if there's one thing that you can say about um, Steve at this point is that he really was, in my opinion, uh, pushing the sound design um, and the the sound effects to probably to the uh, to the to the ragged edge of of, of what sure. what he could possibly do with mm-hmm. with just his guitar. And when you think of the things that he was doing, yeah, sure, that's pretty. You know, I mean, we're, we're still. We're still a few years shy away from uh, from Eddie Van Halen tapping yeah. where, you know, he's doing all the scratching and the, the, the basically he's creating this little backdrop of, of, of effects yeah. to sort of like to bring the, the, the sort of the whole, as you say, it's a very silly concept, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's brought with a lot of vigor and, and, and intent to the uh, to, to your ears. Yeah. Well, there was
3: a uh, with Steve, there was a story about the mixing of this album where Phil was driving down the street. And he saw Steve and he said, <laughs> Steve, yeah. do you want to lift? And Steve said, sure of course <laughs> <laughs> why would I ever turn you down for a look for a studio if there's ever a day when I turn you down
4: that be the so they went on to the
3: studio and recorded mixed yeah. this live and it went to number nine yeah. so it was
1: it great. there you go.
0: Know. happy endings for everybody happy on that endings. story yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry ladies and gentlemen we've got to the stage in our recording career with uh, tabletop genesis that we are going to be mercilessly trolling people here. Yeah. That's, that's not the right story <laughs> is that true
1: the I think that talking about Steve's sound during this there's that middle part with like the almost like trumpetish sound and, yes. yeah. and yes. like a pretty, chicken yeah, exactly yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and it's all oh, it counts. is oh, okay, great, great. Thank you, thank and it you. is it's one of those things that I'm like yeah this just it all works in a weird way and I'm like that's probably the weirdest guitar solo I've ever heard if you can really even think of it as a guitar solo but it's like, but it really works in that context of the story, of the story and the song.
3: So it's almost kind of like the, a precursor to the solo in "Counting Out Time." And it's like Man. a really kind of oh, tight, tight, yeah. tight. Yeah. It doesn't Da-da-da-da. sound like it doesn't a guitar. Sound like a guitar. Yeah. And if you watch him play this on the Belgium. Video, you know, because they play that in uh, a couple, like just to watch him, like you know, really concentrating. But it's just such an odd sound, yeah. And it's great, yeah. It was funny. I was listening to listening to this on the way down here today, and yeah, those odd scrapes and those different kind of textures. You're like. Yeah, this, I don't know if he did those on the album but you figure live he's like what are they going to say? Yeah, <laughs> okay, is that
1: the song, I'll do it in the songs They're over, so
3: busy so. concentrating on their parts they won't even yeah. hear what I'm doing but it'll make yeah. the album
1: man. And Phil's doing a lot of little accents yeah. on the drums as yeah. he's going along with this like this is a
0: song they have that they're ready to go with this The other thing I love about Genesis especially at this time is that there is Isn't an ounce of blues in them. No, they genuinely are about as far away from hippiedom as it's possible to get. Certainly from a musical perspective, because these are composed. Mm -hmm. It's not trippy. Not in the not in the regular sense of the word. There's not improv going on here. No, it's it's all strictly. It's a recital. Yeah.
5: What I love is that this is, I believe, and somebody, you know, a listener. If you if you want to prove me wrong this is the hardest song ever made with a flute solo (laughs) and that just like again it goes to the whole silliness of the song to me
1: it's it's when you know there there's that strange overlap of jethro toll and genesis here and there and this is you know i know jethro toll could be very kind of driving very hard in in certain ways and Genesis has their own way of being... But
5: this was like their metal song at the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I always thought that. I mean, The Knife, maybe, um, but I just think there's a lot more grit in this yeah. track over The Knife. Um, I mean, the ending in itself. Yeah. I mean, that is just, it's violent. I mean, right. I can feel the hogweed coming yes. after me to, to attack me. I <laughs> think you have to start
1: playing that out, outside your windows during Halloween. Yes. You know, Just that on a loop, that last minute of the yeah. song. Nobody will come and get candy. I, yeah. often, I yes. often
0: wonder whether or not people actually um, think about the fact that, of course, the... There was a song about killer plants. There was a story about killer plants, which was um, The Day of the Triffids by John Wyndham. Yeah,
1: great story. And
0: and it was, you know, it was one of those things which I'm never entirely sure whether or not there was a conscious parallel uh, Mm. in that, whether or not they were sort of like thinking about, because, you know, there were a lot of, they were reading a lot of science fiction at the time.
1: I've got to think that there was a connection there, along with, you know, seeing an article about hogweed plants taking over something, you know, and kind of combining those two things and saying that. I saw Day of the Triffids. It was on TV a lot when I was a kid. I love that movie. So that's... uh...
5: Or it could be acid.
1: (laughs) 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 Yes, let's let's go to the chemical reason for all this. And, And the interesting thing
3: is that, like, there is never not a news article about yes. hardweeds
0: that doesn't <laughs> reference this song. Oh, yeah, it's so true.
5: Or right. some somebody on Facebook. Yeah, yeah like, look, some... I
0: found something about hardweeds. Yeah. yeah. I just yeah, like they're... the idea of, of just, or in my own mind, I've just got this thing of like four of the members of Genesis sitting around in a studio and the door bursting open one day uh, in the recording studio. And and there's Peter Gabriel with an excited look and he goes, lads, I've got this great idea for a lyric. <laughs> <laughs> yes did the
1: music come first with this or did the lyrical idea you know that's where it's like oh i know what i can write to this yeah. <laughs> this is about plants <laughs> killer plants killer, killer plants. plants exactly so oh, awesome. cool this is a great song i think it's yeah. it's a fantastic version of it i it eclipses i like the album version this is kind of the definitive version for yeah. me of this yeah so. yeah, me too. Agree. yeah, yeah. Definitely. so cool We'll move on now to side two, so flip your podcast over and... Or flip yourself over. Yes, (laughs) either way. (laughs) If you're sunning yourself on the beach down in Cozumel, Mexico somewhere, and, you know, just get ready for the next side that starts with the musical box.
6: I may join with you. All your hearts now seem so far from me. It hardly seems to matter. Of a kingdom beyond the skies But I am lost within this half world It hardly seems to matter now Play me by her song song.
3: soda open <laughs> yes. oh that would be perfect <laughs> <laughs> let me open another one
2: yes exactly we gotta drink them anyway right <laughs> after the giant hobbit now yes the old man's come, coming to get you yes <laughs> <laughs> we, simply, we, didn't, we didn't have enough with the giant hobbit but <laughs> yes. something else this is coming is, up
1: this is the spooky stuff I'm curious that they didn't include Gabriel's stories on this album
2: I'm fine with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they work better live than, you know, yeah. repeated listening. And
0: there so. is one on the cover, so it's really, like, you know.
1: Yes, you get the reading of that. And that's actually, I believe, the Supper's Ready story. They so, ready. yeah.
0: Can we speak a little bit uh, about this, uh, you know, the, 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 the interludes and stuff, and specifically the story that's on the back of this? Because although we, we haven't reached the Lamb Lies Down yet, it was this uh, little sort of like bit of writing that he put on the back, which is the thing that uh, interested the director William Friedkin enough for him to. This is the director of the yes. you know the film The Exorcist, enough to sort of like get him to approach Gabriel. Yeah. And know, it's funny how these little seeds sort of like sown in, in one live album.
4: Right.
0: Yeah. Um, that was
1: that was kind of a throwaway. That was a placeholder for things. So. Right, and you figure for
3: a placeholder album, it sowed the seeds of possibly Gabriel leaving Genesis,
0: and it's like everything oh. like leads to another. So thing. you blame it on the record company <laughs> exactly. Absolutely, it all comes around. It's an interesting track, this one, because yes. it's it's because um, you know that uh, we were we were talking. I don't know whether we were talking about this off mic or a little earlier on mm-hmm. about the fact that Tony Banks was saying we didn't actually have. Um, Supper's Ready on because that's half half an album. I can see his point, but they only really had three albums of which they were choosing from material from anyway. At right? This point. Yeah.
1: So that's and this is a ten minute song. You know, it's Genesis at this point. were are not. They didn't do a huge amount of long long songs, but this this is a substantial chunk of both Nursery Crime and now this album. So I think this is again much like Hogweed, a much more confident version of the song that's on Nursery Crime. I think this is, you know, perhaps not the definitive version, but I'm listening back to this version. I was very happy to hear this.
3: I'd say it's pretty close to a definitive version for me. Just everything start to finish. And even kind of like, we can't talk about this without talking about the unaccompanied bass pedal solo (laughs) from Michael Rutherford, which just shows, you know, the fact that they were, endlessly twiddling their tuning devices in between mm. songs and what does peter do except tell a joke make, <laughs> make make fun of the fact that mike just did a little unaccompanied bass pedal solo and he gets that nervous laughter from the crowd which you and know,
1: feels a little rim shot
3: <laughs> but then they go into the song and it's just like a perfect you know start to finish
4: mm-hmm.
3: of of musical box which which uh, that's why i consider it probably the definitive version
5: yeah, I would. I agree. I think that the band really locked in, locked in on this track. Mm-hmm. You know, as I'm listening to the album from start to finish, this mm-hmm. is where I think it really clicked. And it's so impressive how well it all holds together. Because if you think about, it, there's a lot going on in this song throughout yeah. the entire thing. Whether it's the quiet bits, the loud bits, the solos, and whatnot, they're all. Um, you know, if you kind of think about each member and what they're playing, it's all very intricate and there's some layers there and mm-hmm. it just really works together so i feel like they're here they're really playing like a band yeah. um more it, it, they are throughout the entire album but it's like really hits home here um and just hack it just shows up <laughs> <laughs> i you know i imagine maybe this song he's standing up and like at the front of the stage <laughs> like probably it. not naked um, <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, you know, I know he's probably just sitting in yes. his head down. There's um, No
1: lights anywhere nearby. But his
5: guitar to... um, yeah. is front and center in this track, and uh, that's you know one of the things I, I love about this version yeah. is that I can you can hear the confidence in his playing, yeah. um, and that's... it's it's the solo is fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I pointed out I think that whole kind of the, that middle section of the galloping drums and mm. Tony's keyboards dun, 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 dun. like it's it's a very basic part in some ways but it just really works yeah. and oh. everything coming together there so.
5: and you're trying me something else like Colin's drum sound on this album is phenomenal mm-hmm. like I love it it's like cavernous there's like an echo mm-hmm. um, that just gives this whole kind of feel to the album I can't really put into words but it's it definitely sounds different than on the album. Sure. On the albums and recordings. But yeah, there's just some depth to it that I really love. And that part you were just referencing, that galloping kind of part, yeah. really um, highlights that.
3: Well, the sound, I always thought this was a better sounding album than Seconds Out as a live album. Really? And Seconds Out, even with the remaster, oh, yeah. seems a I little bit that. muddied, where this seems like crystal clear mm. as if you were there. Yeah. Seconds Out, it's almost like I'm kind of watching it Happened and it's still great, but this it feels like I'm there.
5: You're in actually in yes. it, yeah, so yeah, it
1: feels yeah. more like a live oh, album. Yeah, sure, yeah, and if like m- space, it feels
5: like a smaller
2: space. Yeah,
5: be- you can, there's more um ambient noise in right. this, there's yeah. more yeah. of a they capture the whole room. Yeah. Where I think with seconds out, it was probably mixed out stage. with 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 Hackett's guitar solo parts, you know, uh, guitar, uh, uh, guitar uh, parts, uh, uh, you know, so
0: from yeah. <laughs> what I've I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at um. Uh, Wikipedia here, and it says here that the vast majority of uh, this album was recorded at the Leicester de Montfort Hall right. in Leicester, with only the giant hogweed, which was recorded at the Free Trade Hall in in, mm-hmm. in Manchester. Um, but I, or Meshcher. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, I couldn't tell that there was a difference in quality. No, from no. No. Sure. I've
5: never, I've been to the... Um, the Leicester venue. But I've never been to the Manchester one, but I imagine on your maybe- Genesis
1: venue pilgrimage, yeah. you went <laughs> <I> to <laughs> check know, some of these places out. No, so.
5: that was a Merlin weekend pilgrimage. Ah, okay. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I've never. I the, the I'm sure at that time the venues were pretty similar in size. And
1: I wonder how much is, you talked about the the venues being very kind of orchestral in some ways. I wonder if that played into
0: how yeah. some of this
1: was recorded, with some of that delay, uh, kind oh, of yeah. echo on the drums, just it being in a in a hall that. Can emphasize that if that was kind of picked up. In yeah, some way. a
5: place that was built for yeah. music, right. m- not like the stadiums. Because after this, I mean, Second's Out and then every yeah. other live yeah, the album arenas. they release, yeah, yeah. they're arenas and they yeah. weren't built for acoustics. Yeah. So, um, so that, to that end, yeah, I totally agree with Tom. This sounds so much better, mm. um, sounds so much right. better than yeah, Second's yeah. Out.
2: <laughs> Clarify,
5: cl- you know, right, qualify yes. that with, the, with our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> listeners to this, unless you've seen the band or read some articles, you don't know about Peter's costume, the the old man mask at the end and things like that. You're still just listening to this as a piece of music, and it still works that way. It's just kind of a different, you know, the people who saw this band live and got this album, it triggered memories for them. Uh, But for, you know, listeners who hadn't seen the band, it was still just, oh, this is a very powerful piece of music. That we're that we're hearing now.
5: Yeah, that end section gives me goosebumps. Yeah, like when it get, when it's real quiet and it starts with I've been waiting here for so long. Yeah. Oh yeah, the hair stands out in the back of my neck. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I just wish that Phil's backing vocals a little earlier in the song. I think they're okay at the end of the things. I listen I wish they had been a little bit louder, the, the you know, nah, 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 claiming my song. Nah, 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 hey, here it comes again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The Here It Comes Again is what I was nah, thinking nah, nah, of. Nah, but, nah. but maybe to have that Can we can we rehearse that one more time, Phil? No, 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 no. (laughs) We have our ending of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think it's it's a great version of it. I I think it's the album version is great. This is great in a different way. More powerful. Yeah. Well, with that, we will go into the final track on the album, The (laughs) Knife.
6: At the beginning you told me that I'm a hero Promise me all of your violent dreams i got all you will need them now In this only world, you ready to fight for your freedom now When I keep a word, you ready to destroy all this evil now Stand up and fight, for you know we are right We will strike at the lies and spread like disease to our minds We have one that will treasure yeah, this world without winnings and kindness to all who are not now reserved. Some of you are going to die, but of a to the freedom I will provide. I'll give you the names of those you must kill, the hem of my banner quickly, cover them up in drop out we need to fight for your freedom now When to give a word, hang on my heart and the blood flow now Stand up and fight, for you know we are right the strike of the lies that have spread like disease to our body. Some of you are going to die But as a cause to the freedom I will provide
2: Yeah, of course. Yes. So I, I guess we can agree
1: with that. Yeah, what? it's the ending of the album. It was the ending of their live shows. You yeah. know, it was their encore number. So,
0: and it was it the only moment really well. on the album where the you can hear the audience actually shouting. Yeah, and they oh, start right. clapping along like, with it too.
5: Probably. Like, oh, sh- oh, we are at a rock show.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> right. so um, are we allowed to do this? Just, what? I okay. think the band members stood up, so maybe we should too. We
2: <laughs> can sing along. Oh, yeah. Wait.
1: Yeah, it's great. I, I Again, this is a great song. It's powerful. It has energy to it. Even with, like, I, I'm an advocate for later on when they did kind of cut out the middle section after Peter left and everything. I think that version is great, too, yeah. that they did live here and there. Uh, but this, with the middle section, with Peter still doing his flute in the
0: middle, it works. It all comes together. So. This is certainly my favorite version of The Knife. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to the trespass sure. version, but oh. I suppose in some ways, very much like when you hear some of the later stuff bringing a lot of the balls to the earlier yeah. work, this is bringing a lot of the ball to that Trespass yes. era as well. Um, and they really are... They're comfortable playing it on stage. They've been playing it for, for you know, in, in terms of their career yeah. for, for a long time at that point. Um, and it's not gone unnoticed uh, from me that Steve Hackett actually still occasionally flips yeah. this into his uh, sure. set during solo shows. That yeah.
5: doesn't surprise me at all because... This is one of, I love his solo in this. This is yeah. like, I mean, I know he didn't write it, yeah. but he plays it perfectly. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I prefer this solo on this live album than his first or fifth on Seconds Out, hands down. There you I go. I can see
2: how much he can bring to the band. Even oh, about. absolutely. He makes it beautiful in his own way.
5: He mm-hmm. and, and Collins just breathe oh, yeah. life into the song. Make it
1: funky in the middle there. Yeah. Almost, as Phil's doing like boom, ch-da, boom, ch-da,
0: boom. Like yeah. there's and kind I, of the breakdown yeah. part of it. So. You are the uh, tabletop Genesis human beatboxing. Exactly. Beatboxing. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh my God, Sorry. I Just had a heart attack there, Sorry. <laughs>
5: <laughs> like you know I was saying with Musical Box like Hackett was really confident this song everybody was confident because yeah. to Simon's Point they've been th- this is of all the songs on this live album they've been playing it the most yeah. they know it and it's also they know it's the end of the show yeah. so they're like yes we're almost done we're almost at that beer yeah. you know like <laughs> and so they you can feel they're more relaxed yeah. it's it's this version's looser yeah. they are louder more you know there's just that confidence so
1: and it's a, it's a song they know that works, too. Yeah, would, this a, would
0: this have been the encore?
1: Yes. So yeah. I I think that's where you... I, again, you kind of put the, those songs, you know, work at the end because you want the audience to leave and come back and come back again and bring their friends and everything. You're but only it's, as
5: good as your last song. Yeah.
1: So that's this is the way of, you know, sending them out on a high note and everything. And they do. It's great. Mm-hmm. So. And plus this is... What I
3: really love about this track above the others on it is it's the only one where... Steve and Phil hadn't played on the studio version, right? Yeah. And as Stacy said, they just give this a life of its own, where it just becomes, you know, the two of them back and forth. And I love that part uh, towards the end, where in in the show, you know, Phil's got the whistle and he's standing up every yeah. time he blows the whistle. I mean, they just like go balls to the wall on this mm-hmm. one, and and it's just, it just if there's any track where like for, to a casual fan, I'd be like, well, Genesis really rocked hard, like early in their day, like mm-hmm. this, probably the end of Hogweed mm-hmm. on this album and probably almost this whole track I would play for them. I say just yeah. listen to like how they let go. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah.
1: This is very different. Like, and, and I think a band should be a very different band at the start of their career versus the middle versus the end, you know, however it might be. But this is, this is a great snapshot. This track is a great snapshot of Genesis at this point in their yeah. career. You know, knowing that they were on an upward tra- trajectory, they had songs they knew would work in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that even if, you know, I don't know how many audience members would have even had Trespass at this point, you know. Right. And so for, I, I would probably say a good chunk of the audience, it was probably a newish song to them that they might not have been exposed to, so.
0: And live album, live albums are often the way you can introduce people who have not heard um, Uh, the music of a band to a wider audience because they are effectively greatest hits packages you know well with that I
1: think uh, do we want to talk about our own favorites or go to Tom's poll first Tom do you have a preference Uh, you want to expose your poll let's talk talk about our favorites let's do our favorites before we expose Tom's poll here so uh, who would like to go first
3: I'll go just because we just talked about it it was a tough call musical box it's a great version I mean listening to it on the way down today I, I still chuckle at unaccompanied bass pedals from that you're easily entertained I am easily entertained so. <laughs> from that all the way to the end of the, the finish it just grabs me start to finish but for a live representation of a song that is on this album I'd have to go with the knife just because it's so different and it's so much more brought to life on this live album than it was on the studio so I'm gonna go with the knife all
5: right. what he said I'm not kidding you. I had that written down. I said this is the most different, um, this version, than the album version, you know, across all of it. And that's why, to me, it's the best. But uh, Musical Box was Strong Close Second. Okay. So thanks for stealing my thunder. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we're on the same page. Yes. Yes. (laughs)
1: Simon? The Knife. Oh, we got three for three so far. I'm
2: going to go for the Musical Box. Oh, But again, The Knife was... the.
1: And I will also go for the musical box So it's two to three Musical box
2: wins
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah but in the electoral vote We still
1: So see the popular vote So there we (laughs) go Excellent well now let's see what the listeners Think about this I'm Josie (laughs) Wizzball Well I think (laughs) I'm
0: not going to put it I'm just going to have that
3: (laughs) I think this is uh, I'd like to see if you guys can guess what the order was because I think it's pretty simple and actually I think if you think about the Genesis fan and what their favorites were in this album I don't think it's pretty hard to guess five through one what they what they are And and I'll say if you're right so okay what was the fifth favorite so song. the least favorite. The right? least favorite song. Well, let's say yeah, number five. Get them
1: out, fr- out By Friday. Friday. <laughs> yeah, Get them Out By Friday. That's <laughs> that correct? Right? We All uh-huh. right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We're Genesis Live Bros. Uh, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> that four. got a, that got about 8% of the vote. Okay. okay. All right. Number four was? Hogweed. Return of the Giant. Hogweed. Oh. Oh. That got about 11% okay. of the vote. So, seven, three, so about 20% total so 20% far. 20% total. Okay. Number three. Number
1: three, Watcher. Watcher.
3: Watcher of the Skies. All right. We're up to about 20%. Okay. All right. And number two.
1: Musical box. musical box. I'm not Musical Box. I think yeah.
0: the Knife won. You know, yeah. I'm going to go for Musical Box. Musical Box. The Knife. Oh-ho! No! <laughs> the Who knife? are these people? <laughs> <laughs> and why did they win the popular vote? Uh, exactly. <laughs>
3: Knife got about 24% of the vote, but Musical Box got 38. Really?
0: Wow. wow. Well, no, hey, to be hey. really honest with you, you know, we are arguing over semantics of songs yes. that we all love. Yeah. So. Exactly. It's yeah, like right. the difference
1: Whatever. between one and five is not that great. Yeah. Right, right. It's a pretty kind of even spread there. So,
3: right. I, I think I would have been surprised if n- neither of those were in the top two. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, like, if for some reason. Get him out was number one. I'd be like, alright, they're hearing <laughs> <out. They're hitting laughs> a they're hearing a different I, voted repeatedly.
1: Yeah. 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 The one thing
5: that, that surprised me is I thought Hogweed and Watcher would be flipped. I thought really? Hogweed okay. would be higher up than okay. than Watcher. Because it is such a great live version. Yeah. Um,
3: sure. I think it's the open the I, opening
5: yeah. characteristic of
1: Yeah, I think I it's guess. it is part of then people it's it's hard to distance yourself from the familiarity of the song itself. And yeah. Watcher is more Classic.
5: That's what I mean. Like I I thought, like they would go for a a slightly deeper cut, yeah.
0: Higher. I'm surprised Land of Confusion isn't in there. Really, I was was shocked (laughs) as you. So, um thought
2: was going to be number one, though. Really? Okay. Some
1: reason. I could see that. You know, on a different day, these votes could be different. This is going to keep me up all night. (laughs) 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 What are the possible orders of this? So. Um, we should also point out that the album is dedicated to Richard McPhail, who left April 1973. He did not die, (laughs) as many people kind of think, like, oh my God, is is that a metaphor for something? Is it Gabriel being weird with language again? But no, he just went on to do different things uh, in, in work and in life. And he has a great book out now about his years working with Genesis and then with Gabriel afterwards up to about 1980 or so. So seek that out. Yeah, I believe it's called My Life With or In Genesis. Um, so seek that out. Google Richard
0: McPhail, you'll find the book there. So he basically really? was he was their sort of like go to man for yeah, years, he was, wasn't their he?
1: Road manager, tour manager type guy. You know, he talks about having briefcases full of cash at different times, you know, and you know, dealing with Really exactly, know. you know? I have mine right next to me here, so, but he was in one of their earlier bands in the Anon, the Anon. yes, at uh, uh-huh. uh, of, of Charterhouse. So there's a the German fan club put out a CD of this song, Pennsylvania Flick House, I believe it's called. Oh. Yeah, I know. That's not <laughs> about spinal tap. Yes, written when they were 15, 16. It's him and Phillips and a couple other people. I Rutherford, I believe, was on there too, doing this demo of this song that I think aunt had written and everything. And and uh, and Richard, I believe, is the lead singer on that one. I would have to listen to it again. Um, well, you know what you
3: can. You know what they serve at the Pennsylvania
1: Flick House? Scrapples, Scrapple Scrap- <laughs> <laughs> And we are recording this in Pennsylvania, yeah. so yes, so interesting. Well, thank you all again. Before
0: I before yes. I go any further on this, um, it, are there any uh, associated tracks with uh, with this album at all that, that we want to speak speak about?
1: That. Associated tracks, meaning that from, from the, this the era? From,
0: no, from the set that, oh, that weren't included on the. Uh, I
1: think there there are versions of Supper's Ready out there from these recordings that are really good, and you, you can find
0: them with a minimal of looking. This is one of the reasons why I, I sometimes used to think to myself in idle moments between uh, court cases uh, <laughs> a, about why uh, it was left off. And obviously, the way Tony explains it, I can totally understand yeah. why he why they would want to leave it off. I'd often thought to myself, well, maybe it was like a recording quality thing or someone mm. did a bad sort of like clam note halfway yeah. through or they weren't just on par or, on, or you know, yeah. on form for, for that song.
1: I, I do actually think from hearing the version that's on the Rainbow Show from, from the Selling England tour and everything, that it is, Suffer's Ready is better on that tour. It's They have it a bit more under their fingers and everything. The Foxtrot tour versions are good. But it's. I think that the the later versions have a bit
0: more power to them. And I suppose it's the first time they're playing. Yeah. Uh, that entire thing. Right. So. I mean, we were talking a little bit about earlier on about uh, their time in America and some of the first mm-hmm. dates that they were doing. And I think I remember reading in one of the Armando Gallo books mm-hmm. about the fact that they had an absolute nightmarish time technically yeah. during uh, power ready. variances and things like that. There was it's some just... buzz or something and I, I hear, if I remember correctly, uh, Mike Rutherford threw his bass in a corner or something. Yes. <laughs> well, he, he was the rock and roll man. He, he was, he was yeah. the Mick Fleetwood of the band really. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tony gave a, a discouraging
1: look at that I'm sure. Uh, so. Like I say, we'll talk later. Yes. <laughs> was, the,
0: was the American tour uh, after the British leg?
1: Uh, I be- I don't know if it was really a tour other than just playing a couple gigs in the Northeast for Foxtrot. I think their first was a couple tour,
0: of gigs in the Northeast before or after the English League? I believe, um,
1: I believe it was in the middle.
0: Okay, I
1: think because they actually came over first to play WNEW, a rock station in New York. They played their Christmas concert in Avery Fisher Hall in New York. Mm-hmm.
5: And what did they have for dinner? Uh,
1: <laughs> they went to the Carnegie Deli, <laughs> and they had strapples. <laughs> they had strapples. Okay. So, <laughs> so right, but yeah, so I think it was kind of in the middle of things. So, if I'm wrong, please correct me on Facebook, and I will ignore you. And so... <laughs> Damn. Damn. But, uh, but yeah,
0: so I think it's, it, it would be, was it a long tour? I, can, I mean, I, you guys have got the boots really, so I'm not entirely sure how many dates they did on this tour.
1: I don't know off the top of my head, honestly. I think it's I think it was normal for that period of time, you know, which was probably a six hundred. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did three shows a night for eighty-five <laughs> nights in a row, so. Um, but no, I think it was, you know, your basic kind of go go to Europe, do these couple shows in America, do Europe and the UK again. I think the UK and Italy were their big fan bases at this point mm-hmm. with getting some kind of uh, play in the US is starting around now. Mm-hmm. So,
0: in, uh, And, and here's, a, here's a question I was going to ask because in the larger scope of live albums by Genesis, mm-hmm. Genesis have done... Quite a few live albums in their in their time, sure. but for me as a fan, and it might just genuinely be just the age that I am, I only really consider there to be three live albums in their uh, in their discography, and this is the first one, really. right? Yeah,
2: I'd rather that.
0: So it's yeah. this, Seconds Out, and three, three sides live. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Assuming I mean, so. I, and that's I feel terrible oh, saying because okay. you know there's some really good material on the shorts and the longs yeah. as well, you know.
1: And, and yeah, I think that there's. It, but those come coming later in the career, they're just not it's there's either some repeats of older yeah. things or just live versions of the newer stuff. whereas this is a bit more for. For all of us who were not around for those earlier tours, it's a bit more historical that way too.
0: That's that's a very good way of describing because I genuinely think, and especially out of all three of those albums that we've mentioned, this one is the one that feels more, or more, should I say, most like a document yeah. of the time. Um, you know, I know I know it sounds silly, but you know, the Seconds Out and the Three Sides Live Tour. Some of the Three Sides Live Tour was from the Seconds Out. Uh, sorry, the three, three, three Sides Live recordings. Yeah. was from the Seconds Out era, yeah. uh, era. This one, it sits in isolation. Yeah. It's from
1: one or two shows. It's, it's very singular in that respect.
0: And it's great. I,
1: I think it's... You know, that, that this was put out almost as a throwaway, I think it's, I would love bands to have more throwaways like this. Yeah, so. I wish there was a DVD of this album. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So, you know, and and there's always talk about, oh, are there ever going to be any releases of other live tapes, even things not of this quality from that this era or later on. And I think that there would be people out there who would love to hear, you know, multiple shows that are a little bit cleaner than what's out there on the trading circuit now so who knows Genesis if you're listening put some more stuff out and with that we'll wrap up this episode of Tabletop Genesis I'm Mike Lord
2: I'm Ellie here I'm Simon Godfrey <laughs> oh yeah I'm Stacy right.
1: and I'm Tom and we'll see you next time on Tabletop Genesis
6: she's a lady she's got time oh the
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have the shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, Follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis. And you can email us directly at genesis-tabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes.
6: I've been waiting ever so long all this time to pass me by It doesn't seem to matter now You stand there with your (laughs)
1: <laughs> so i professional Yes, exactly. Where uh, the script didn't have those pages in it for me. I was improv.